Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. It's a special one. We're going to talk to you today about the Puppet at Scale project because sometimes big enterprise class challenges need to be solved at a smaller scale. In this case, we are throwing Bolt, one of Puppet's open source tools, at a HO scale model train set. We'll be covering uh, who's involved. We'll, we'll get to know some of the crew. We'll talk through some of the interesting discoveries, challenges, uh, get a sense of where this project is heading, and let you know how you can keep tabs on it. So first and foremost, let's meet the crew. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Cass Donahue. I am an engineer on the Bolt team uh, here at Puppet. Hey, my name is Ken Johnson. I'm an engineer on the infrastructure core team here at Puppet. Jacob Helwig, uh, community team. And I'm Andrew Nem, managing editor of Puppet.com. Uh, we are an interesting crew, uh, folks from different teams and whatnot, coming together to work on this awesome project. Uh, we definitely want to give a shout out to folks who aren't at this table who are also giving a lot of time and energy to making Puppet at scale happen. Uh, those are folks on our business technology operations team, the workplace team, our greater community, more engineering folks, and the marketing team. So what is Puppet at scale? For those of you who have been paying attention, uh, one of our open source projects is called Bolt. And Cast Bolt is, you probably have the best definition of the four of us. Go for it. Give your plug. I think for this audience, uh, when I describe Bolt, I'd like to frame it in sort of how it compares and extends Puppet. So with Puppet, we have an amazing way to declare state and make sure that it's continuously enforced. Um, sometimes you need to do an imperative action, uh, one-off actions just to do a sanity check on something or something needs to happen right away. So what Bolt does is it allows you to make those um, imperative actions happen uh, in a way that integrates well with what's happening with Puppet. We can affect change or um, make queries about your infrastructure using Bolt, and we can use, we can talk to those uh, pieces of infrastructure with different uh, transports. So instead of just the Puppet um, transport, we can use uh, SSH or WinRM. Um, or others, this allows us to have a bit more freedom and to play around and actually figure out uh, how to solve things. The other great thing is that sometimes it, Bolt will allow you to orchestrate things by doing things in defined order and um, also allows you to declarative changes as well and keep your infrastructure in a good state. Thanks, Cass. That was spot on. Definition of Bolt. Uh, throughout the year, we've been running workshops, uh, spreading the good word about Bolt all around the world. And randomly around the March timeframe, you know, in which every technology company is wondering, hmm, what funny, clever thing should I do for April Fool's? A group of us got together and, uh, you know, those of you in the community, uh, you know, Nigel and, and Ben Ford, they randomly kept talking about solving puppet problems at a smaller scale. They kept having this idea around model trains and we'd be like, hey, okay, whatever. After about the fifth time that was brought up, uh, someone in a brainstorm session made the connection with, hey, why don't we, could we possibly tell a train what to do with bolt tasks? Obviously at that time, the answer was, I have no idea. And those were often the fun things to software. We had the time in, at the time in March had no idea this would work, but there was a lot of energy and forever around it. And um, we kind of knew in our gut that we had to try and figure it out. Yeah, that's kind of a uh, 
an idea that's been kicking around Puppet for a long time. I remember several years back when we moved from uh, when we moved into the Lovejoy office. I want to say <laughs> someone used their uh, part of their departmental redecorating budget to buy some stuff to set up a model train set, but it never really got off the ground then. But people have been saying we should do it for a while, and it's really neat that we got the opportunity to do that and integrate it with one of our products. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be neat. Um, whatever happened to that f- train V1? You know, um, I think it kind of just disappeared after a while of never being assembled. Um, there were a couple of projects like that that sat around for a while collecting dust and then didn't make it through the next move. So hopefully we can make a uh, train V2 stick around. This one already looks like it has uh, a lot more, uh, a lot more traction to it. Well, that wasn't really a pun, was it? Traction, track, close enough, whatever. <laughs> um, for those of you listening, uh, we'll throw in a couple of images and whatnot uh, into the uh, posts that holds this episode so you can get a sense of where we're at. Definitely work in progress, but a fun one at that. Uh, what's been pretty neat is that, you know, you probably have seen Puppet's uh, State of DevOps report. You've seen all the work that we do to empower DevOps managers or teams to do more, uh, to improve their agile practices. This was a pretty neat, different way to live a bit of that. We're bringing different teams together. Uh, we're trying to solve a big challenge uh, together. And like Ken said, it helps us integrate our into some of our newer products and solve the business goal. And you know, we want people to try Bolt. We want them to learn how to use it. Um, and what better way than irreverently through a model train, specifically HO scale. For the folks listening who think that all model trains are Fisher price size, that's definitely not the case. Can you weigh in a bit on how broad this uh hobby really is a massive hobby i mean there's so you mentioned we're we're using an ho scale train it's it's a good size and a typical layout on those is like maybe 15 by four feet uh so they take they take up a fair amount of room to do like a small town uh or a couple of small connected towns uh, but I mean, model railroading itself. There's ones where uh, a typical locomotive is like the size of your index finger, as far as how long it is, all the way up to ones you can ride around in people's backyard gardens. So there's a huge variety of scale and complexity in model railroad layouts. We're doing a pretty simple one to start out with because we wanted to have as few variables that we had to work out the kinks in as possible. I remember when we were first doing discovery on this project, like not even the technical requirements, uh, we wanted to get some advice from Portland's local model train club. And this is a serious hobby. I mean, they were actually concerned that we were going to start it incorrectly. (laughs) We approached this crew, I think a handful of Ben and I believe AJ Johnson, one of our engineers went over to, get some advice. And I mean, they're also just very enthusiastic. So I think they wanted to get involved as well. But it was, it was interesting to, to hear the reporting of, hey, you know, make sure you kick this off properly. And four months into it, I, I kind of get the sense of why they gave us that warning. Things are going smoothly, but we've, learned, we've been learning a lot of things. The most surprising thing for me um, was obviously we've been testing the train and we've been experiencing some derailment and obviously we're fixing that, uh, you know, yay, iterative improvement. Woo-hoo. Uh, what I was surprised to see was a site that we found on HO scale train requirements. And at first glance, it actually was well styled and written. I thought it was a like a real .gov, like Metro site. 
Oh, you're talking about the NMRI, the... Uh... Yes. Like, I thought I was reading a site for civil engineers or, like, train engineers to, like, actually, like, architect real deal trains and layouts throughout, like, a metro area, but it's a well-done model train site. This is how serious this is. Yeah. Uh, the, oh, sorry, not NMRI, NMRA, National Model Railroad Association. They have a lot of really good and really in-depth recommendations for how to do things at scale so that they look realistic and it's kind of mind-boggling the level of detail they go into in their standards and specifications. Yeah, I kind of like that we're going uh, slightly more whimsical with ours. Um, just the wildly out-of-scale bears stalking the countryside around the layout. Kind of, I, I just really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, there's like a district of the train track that's like populated by Happy Meal toys, I believe, from the last 20 years. Oh, man. Someone donated all those. Gonna have to go on eBay and get some good ones. Yeah. I think (laughs) my mom might still have, like, all of ours in a hutch somewhere in her house. I remember those, like, weird Transformers ones. So you would have your, like, (laughs) burger box that turns into a pterodactyl and stuff. There you go. (laughs) The the box of fries. (laughs) Yep, that one. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I like that we're not doing a, like, this is a hardcore super realistic model railroad layout. Um, so yeah, we're ignoring large swaths of what an MRA has to say, <laughs> but at the same time, they have some really useful things like here's recommended wire gauges for doing the, the track wiring and here's recommended um, radiuses for curves to be able to do um, this type of uh, rail car and have it be somewhat realistic and probably not derail <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah we've got uh the rail model railroading equivalent of uh, a uh, best practices document for uh setting up some new systems it's very handy make sure we don't trip over our own feet uh <laughs> trying to make this thing happen yeah we're doing it the right way but in a very welcoming um inclusive way which i absolutely love seeing uh for those of you who have been paying attention to puppet this year um you know we've got uh, refreshed leadership. Um, there's definitely been a resurgence of like wanting to work together towards toward big company goals. One of those goals is to get folks around the world to know about Bolt. Yeah, sure, we can come up with more workshops and webinars and different ways to promote uh, ad campaigns and whatnot. We wanted to try something different, and it's been pretty magical to watch different teams come together to a try and complete this train set for the for those of us who. You know, don't have uh, the engineering chops, but then also be to to see folks come together to try and make this happen. So I'd love to hear around the table. You know, where are we at now? What have you learned, and what's keeping you excited about this project? I, mostly, I've been concentrating on getting the layout talking to a computer so that we have some API to interact with from the Bolt side, and it's been really interesting learning what. What software is already out there for doing things like that? So we're, we're using a system called DCC, Digital Command Control, for doing model rail route, railroad control. And it lets us have multiple locomotives on the layout and control them independently instead of the, the really old classic straight-up DC system where you just apply DC voltage to the rails and... Whatever voltage you apply is however fast whatever motors are hooked up to those rails is going to run. Uh, so DCC lets us do things like have multiple locomotives on there and running at different speeds and different directions and all of that. Uh, control switches, um, control 
lights and all kinds of other things from a central point. So from there, we go into uh, a computer which is running JMRI, which is one of the, um, the software packages that lets you do software control of a layout. And it's, it's been interesting seeing exactly what the mindset they expect a user to have when interacting with it. They very much expect you to be running a scale railroad. So everything is kind of pre-laid out where, you're, where you have like from point A to point B is something that's predetermined because you have two industries that are connecting with each other and you want trains going between those two places. There's not really a whole lot of on-the-fly dynamic um, creation of things like that. So one of, one of the challenges we have ahead of us is figuring out how to get something that can do a little bit more of the dynamic route generation and scheduling of things, talking with JMRI so that we don't have to build out a table of every possible point A to point B combination and basically so we don't have to have people who are going to be interacting through this with Bolt have absolutely intimate knowledge of the layout itself so that they have something a little nicer to work with. So yeah, that's that's one of the big big challenges we've got ahead of us and what, what we've got going on. Yeah, in that sort of vein from from understanding how how we would put an interface to this uh, using Bolt, uh, something that has become pretty clear to us is the system that controls the train is a very good um, use case for the concept of a remote transport uh, that Bolt has. So when you have things like a network device or an HTTP endpoint, those things don't necessarily have a full shell environment like uh a server or something like that. So what the remote transport allows you to do is to uh, run the logic uh, bits on a, a proxy device. Um, so if you had a fleet of network switches that you needed some kind of configuration on, uh, you could use the Bolt remote transport to manage those devices uh, from a proxy with a um, just by using the endpoints that they have defined. So something that we're investigating is where do we put in the declarative, this needs to be this way, perhaps the layout of the switches on the track or the where the train should be um, versus things that we just want to happen quickly, like sounding the horn or turning on a light. So these problems are a perfect example of how DevOps people would be needing to control things that are both have a declared state on them versus stuff that they need to just do one off quickly. And also to use something that is not traditionally a node in that it would have its full shell environment and um, you could interact with it with like package managers or service managers or something like that. It was cool to see the whole company get together. What we did was, you know, we didn't promise any kind of operational train, but really like, hey, come hang out with us. Come um, add some crazy art, put some model train stuff together, paint a train. Uh, it was really cool to see folks of all walks of life and all these stories pop up too. Apparently our CFO is huge into model trains. Nice. Walked around upstairs, uh, upstairs <laughs> uh, the sixth floor uh, at Puppet HQ. 
Uh, well, that's misleading. We only have two floors. I made Puppet HQ sound like massive. <laughs> <laughs> Our downtown Portland story campus. Yeah. So what's been really cool also is to have the blessing of the CEO. Uh, Yvonne was at the train layout a couple of times, taking pictures of uh, the train. Uh, she really wants to learn how to use it apparently so she can uh, impress her kids, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that getting getting the blessing of the CEO part is uh, always a little bit important for these kind of uh, little side project things. Um, I was one of the instigators behind having uh, arcade machines in the, in the office, and I was always a little like lu- lukewarm on how I felt that company leadership felt about that until uh, one, one day I was uh, playing Samurai Showdown 2 on the Neo Geo, and uh, Luke Caney's walked up and uh, tapped in on Player 2 and just like spent 20 minutes kicking my butt in that game because apparently he had grown up playing that in arcades. A um, new challenger. Appears. Right, it's true. <laughs> I didn't expect it. It came out of nowhere. But uh, after that, I figured he was probably pretty warm to the idea of having that stuff around. It was uh, kind of fun. We'll throw a picture of the Puppet Arcade, too. The thing is going strong. And I see it's pretty cool to watch people of just all walks of Puppet Life come in and hang out and play. It's funnier to see all the guests ask if they need quarters. <laughs> I found a few in a few of those machines. Um, every so often, you'll get 50 cents in it. And it's like, oh, someone's kid must have come in. <laughs> Does it go to your maintenance fund? Yeah. Right the on. arcade slush fund. <laughs> Um, but it's been great to have people ask questions and whatnot. We've had a couple of guests and whenever they walk by the train, you know, they, they always ask like, what is this? What do we do with it? And when we, by the time we tell them the whole premise of what we've got going on and what the big vision is, they get really excited, especially when those guests are bolt users. Um, we had a customer in last week and he was looking giddy and I'm like, Hey, this isn't ready yet. <laughs> like we would love your help when it's done. And like, you know, you can feel free to kick it around and test it, but we're not there yet. But he definitely wants to keep tabs. Um, but yeah, international train day or the day before, it's just great to ha- see different folks from different teams. You wouldn't normally see, there was a lot of painting going on. Someone had some like seventies jams going. It was, Actually, it was a good like time. Along the lines of the, the painting and the art. I really like, a lot i really like a lot of the like graffiti style uh art that people have been doing on the box cars and things like that that it looks i mean it looks authentic without being like overly pedantic about what goes on there it's it just it fits really well and it just, i just think it looks really nice <laughs> i like it we get to see firsthand the flexibility of the uh the uh dag uh like placements and layout designs <laughs> i love that we have a whole design document on that like with the rules of how a uh extension of the dag logo can flow it's kind of kind of interesting <laughs> but it's clearly something people kind of intuitively grok and understand how to extend it in a way that makes sense i don't know have any, have any of you read that thing when it launched i i saw the the presentation when they were talking about it but i didn't dig into it um my art skills are anemic at best. <laughs> My, mine are too, but it, it was fun to read this like clearly super thought out doc from people who like you know think about this stuff professionally and like you know for for being something that uh, you know to to someone who's not initiated into kind of thinking about design in that way they like might kind of mock it like oh you paid them how much to design that thing but then you read it and read the like. Um, thought process that went into it and kind of the way it's been uh, that this simple image has been articulated in words and the instructions to expand it and it's like oh actually that yeah that is that is worthy of the state stature it has as its own like special discipline 
And the DAG that we're talking about is the logo of Puppet DAG. Yeah. I always forget what the D is. Directed acyclic, acyclic graph, graph, I think. Graph. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Directed acyclic graph. Check it out or just go to puppet.com. You'll see a DAG. You'll see many DAGs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally looking up train trivia right now. Did you all know that the term horsepower originated as a marketing tool? That doesn't surprise me. And then back in the day when America was first testing locomotives, guess who won? The locomotive or the horse it was racing against? I'm guessing the horse because the train broke down. <laughs> Definitely. The horse won. <laughs> Maybe if it was a roll race. <laughs> and apparently the travel agency industry was kickstarted by a train trip. Oh, yeah, and we have railroads to blame for time zones. Yikes, yeah. <laughs> the railroads also gave us standardized time zones. One thing that I actually found really amusing doing a lot of the train research is that a lot of model railroad information out there refers to prototype railroads. Prototype railroads are not the HO scale or the N or the Z or any of that. They are the full-size ones that you get stuck behind at a railroad crossing. They refer to those as prototype railroads. (laughs) They run the real railroads at at their smaller scale. Um, So I found that to be greatly amusing when looking through all of the documentation and everything else that like I, I kept seeing this like prototype railroad prototype railroad, like what are they talking about and then i finally found something that actually put two and two together for me it's like oh they mean the the real ones uh because it's easier to scale down right when yeah you get your, your i mean data in this case but i mean they they look at it as like the prototype railroads the real railroads went out there and they figured out all of the things that don't work so that when they go run their railroads on their layout they don't have to go relearn everything that the prototype railroads figured out but also like with the expectations that jmri has like they expect like the typical thing that people do with uh, model railroad layouts is they run a railroad. So, and they might have other people over and operate on that railroad as well. So they've got a dispatcher and people running individual trains and and things like that. So they're running a railroad on the layout. So that's why all of like JMRI expects that you've already, you already know what the industries are. You already know everything else. You already know all the interconnects that are going to be happening. So that's why they just kind of like, well, you just predefine those and then you say that, well, train number whatever is going to operate on that route or that transit right now. So you don't have to come up with one on the fly. It's kind of taking this thing that in the real world is already pretty uh, regulated and regimented and then like boiling it down and getting this even more perfect expression of the relationship between these things and, you know, the physical world and what's connecting these industries across this uh this super, miniature super complex world. yeah uh, infrastructure we've built for it yeah pretty pretty much exactly and because that's not what we're trying to do we're running into all kinds of edge cases where it's like well but we don't know where a person is going to want to send a train <laughs> right they ha- they have no way to express the fact that someone might just decide to say oh actually i wanted to go the other direction now midway through the run yeah and that's that's just not a thing that you would do on a railroad so yeah <laughs> but we're running into edge cases together 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, a lot of it is like a lot of the challenge going forward is just figuring out how to smooth over those things so that people don't have to have intimate knowledge of our layout, intimate knowledge of how railroads work, intimate knowledge of all of the, the little sections of track and how they're labeled in the system. We don't want someone having to download a, a several hundred page PDF with different combinations of labels on it just to figure <laughs> out like, all right, so how do I get the, the train to go from this corner of the layout to that corner of the layout. Yeah, what what comes to mind for me, uh, relating it back to Puppet, is something we haven't talked about yet, which is Puppet as the sort of enforcement tool is one thing, but then there's the module content available on Forge, which takes complex systems like a load balancer or a web server, and we write an abstraction over it that anyone can use and every with everyone sort of like combined knowledge about the thing we make something that anybody can come and just set a couple parameters and boom they have it stood up so it's really a nice sort of parallel here we're taking a very complex piece of software and writing an interface to it allows you know just someone who's never operated a model train even with a controller let alone a computer um, be able to issue some simple commands and, and see how that works. That's a great segue to a question that I want to ask you, Cass. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, let's say, and this is, we're, we're, we're a bit away from this, this greater vision near end state, but tell the listeners a bit about, you know, where you see this going, how you want folks to interact with this, uh, with, with our model train. Sure. So, I would love for existing Bolt power users to find it interesting enough to write beautifully complex code that does amazing things, and I'd like it to be as easy enough that someone who's never even touched Bolt could install it and at least make the train go around the track. And so I think that one of our sort of design goals is to make this a a good reason to understand sort of how, why Bolt is so powerful. We'd like to use this as an opportunity to illustrate for both technical and non-technical users and a really powerful, important part of Bolt, which is to affect change on systems that aren't classically a full functioning computer with a shell environment or a server. Uh, this could be like an HTTP endpoint or a uh, network device. And by relating that to a train that someone can see and anyone can understand, if I do X, Y happens, um, that will allow them to see, sort of make that comparison in their mind that, wow, this tool can help me control things that aren't typically controllable by your traditional um, enforcement models or full, uh, I guess, computing environments. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that the design goals are um, get people familiar with Bolt and sh show them something that they can um, really start to appreciate what the tool can do for them. That's awesome. On the topic of learning, what's been pretty exciting to me to watch are different teams. Uh, you know, originally this use case was, hey, um, we want folks to learn about Bolt in a new way, a different way, a fun way. That was our only 
ask. And we came up with all kinds of other use cases <laughs> in which folks wanted to solve through a very puppety way. Um, for instance, you know, in order to fulfill that greater vision, we've got a couple of network security hurdles to overcome. And it was awesome to loop in our business technology org BTO, as it's known internally. And they were all about it. They wanted to know what we were up to, what's going on. They're on their way to solving that problem. I'm mostly just excited to see, um, as, as Jacob is and has been working on, uh, what the interface between Bolt and between this digital controller ends up looking like, uh, just because that kind of integration stuff is sort of the bread and butter of what I do in my own role and also generally the interesting part of the problem to me. So that'll be neat. And uh, also just like once the thing is operating and you can throw a uh, Bolt plan at it and have it uh, move around and do neat stuff like what's the next steps from there, add on some additional things besides the train that you can, uh, you know, execute these plans against and kind of make the landscape change around it. And also just like, what is the artistic expression of the crew here at Puppet going to look like as we continue to build up the layout and uh, apply everyone's, you know, talent and vision to uh, creating the set around it? Might be a spoiler alert, but the answer to one of your questions is yes, we are actually planning on having like activatable scenery and all kinds of other things like that. Um, cool. Yeah, I thought I thought I had heard of that or and probably talked about it with a couple of people. <laughs> yeah, I heard the rumor of the sea monster or something. Nice. The Kraken or Cthulhu, depending on which giant sea monster you subscribe to. I hadn't heard that one, but that'd be cool to see. <laughs> Popping up, yeah, saying hello. Um, on the note of expression, I'm pretty stoked um, from a communication standpoint to find different ways to package. You know, this is probably a longer term goal, but a new way to teach folks about Puppet, you know, in this case, Bolt. Um, yeah, you can sign up for training. Yes, you can read our many blog posts. We're very education oriented here. You can check out the docs. You can get started in a plethora of ways, but this is just a different, unique way to do it. It would be so fun to have classes predicated upon, hey, can you send a task and or plan to tell that train what to do? Or perhaps tell the Kraken to appear? Yeah, I think that kind of thing is super helpful to have, uh, you know, kind of a physical expression of what you've done in this digital format, especially just with technologies like uh, like ours and just within the space we operate in. You have uh, these super, super complicated things, you know, hidden from kind of direct human understanding behind many layers of abstraction and, uh, you know, being represented in this way that is, uh, you know, somewhat unnatural, um, <laughs> you know, typing things on the screen. It's not uh, the most intuitive. So being able to have that translate back and output to something that is very much in the physical world and you can, you know, see and touch it and uh, observe what it is doing in reaction to what you've uh, typed into the computer, that's a super powerful uh, learning aid and way to, uh, you know, make it clear, hey, actually, you know, this is still real stuff, even though it's happening in a data center somewhere. Yeah, actually, um, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, but it's kind of important is how people would know that what they've sent to Bolt or through the, to the layout through Bolt is actually doing what they wanted to do. And I mean, we're planning on having a couple of cameras pointed at the layout with a live stream set up for it. And I mean, there's a lot of details to work out, but the idea is that there will be a live stream of the layout with some sort of identifier so that you can know that um, it is, in fact, your commands affecting the layout right now uh, instead of whoever was playing with it just before or just after you. 
the goal is eventually to have a way for you to see definitively that what you're doing through Bolt is having an effect on the real world train layout. Perfect segue <laughs> into us plugging where you can go to. Um, for now, just uh, stay tuned and get some updates on what we've got going on with this uh, Puppet at Scale project. You can always check out the latest footage that we have from builds, pictures, commentary, whatnot. Uh, just go to puppet.com slash puppet hyphen at hyphen scale. And with that, I think we've covered all we need to today. There's so much more exploration to go. Cass, Ken, Jacob, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out today on the podcast. Um, Folks internally, externally, we're all really excited to see where this goes. I'm already proud of the crew. I mean, just this is the first company I've been at where like different departments are all coming together. You know, sans pro project management. No, there's no Jira involved. It's just straight up, you know, let's hang out together. Let's be accountable. Let's do some cool stuff together. It's been pretty awesome to watch. And I'm looking forward to how the rest of the year plays out. And we'll have another episode, I think, when we hit a new milestone. And we can kind of keep folks updated on what's going on. Uh, but yeah, uh, check it out, puppet.com slash puppet hyphen at hyphen scale. If you want to learn more about Bolt, head over to puppet.com slash Bolt. And with that, uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Have a great day. I keep calling the podcast the podcast, but it actually has a name now. It is called Pulling the Strings, and you can find it at puppet.com slash podcast. And you'll see all of our more recent 2019 episodes, some older ones, um, and you'll start seeing that name throughout different ways to find our podcast, iTunes, uh, etc. cetera.